He is good. He is worthy. No one else is worthy. He is the great I am. And we're going to talk about him this morning in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, meet me in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. And we're going to look at the first ever hymn written in the Bible. And so this is after Israel has crossed the Red Sea. And this is the first hymn ever written in the Bible. It's the first poetry, if you will, that we see in the scriptures. So I'm excited to read it with you this morning. And when we read it, read it as a poem. This is looking back on the work of God. And this is a song by Moses that the people will sing in response to who God is. And so I will read the text for us. Starting in verse one, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk into the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead into the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic and holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab and all of the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are as still as a stone to your people, O Lord, pass by, to the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which you which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider is thrown into the sea. Let's go before our king in prayer. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name, thanking you for your great work of salvation, for your triumph. 
Father God, I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of. Speak to your people. Open their hearts. Open up my heart to hear from you. God, uh, just pray that you would minister to us this morning as we need to be at this time. God, you know us and you know what we need. I pray that you would be lifted up in this place. It's in your mighty son's Jesus name that we pray. Amen. You're nobody till somebody loves you. You're nobody till somebody cares. These are the words of singer Dean Martin, and they strike a chord with us for a reason. If you think about it, who loves us defines us in many ways. We find ourselves asking questions such as, who am I if they don't love me? Who, who am I if that particular group won't accept me? Who would I be if they left me? And rejection and the loss of relationship is so painful because the loss of relationship and, and rejection and the loss of this uh, relationship can disorient our identity. But imagine a love that could never be taken away. Imagine an identity that could never be taken away. My role as a pastor could be taken away. Titles, positions on org charts can be taken away. Championship banners and titles can be taken away. We know that as Memphis Tigers fans, it hurts a little bit if you, if you remember that day, 2008. Uh. Anyways, that kind of stuff can be taken away. And that's why we get anxious about it, because we know we can lose these things. We wonder, well, what if I don't perform well enough and they take that position away from me or, or you name it? So we know that these can be taken away, but our spots and our positions as adopted children of God can never be taken away and nothing else is more important and more true about us as we come to our text in exodus this morning we see the israelites having experienced the miraculous god has defeated their enemies and he has proven his love for them and god has loved them in a way that has defined them and he's given them an identity that cannot be taken away they were at one point a group of nobodies and slaves in Egypt defined by the work that they could produce for Pharaoh. Now they are defined by the fact that they are God's covenant chosen people who has loved them. The God that has loved them has defined them in a very real way. New life begins now. The rest of their lives will be a response to this act of grace. The Exodus event is the great salvation event that will define Israel. It will define who they are and whose they are. The rest of their lives will be a response to this miraculous act of grace and the God who performed this miraculous act of grace. And throughout their history, they will return to this event as a marker of God's grace and his miraculous provision in their lives. Yahweh is the God who saves. And similarly, the cross is the great salvation event that will define the church. It will define who we are and whose we are. The rest of our lives will be a response to this act of grace and this miraculous act of God's provision in our lives. And we will sing the same way. Jesus Christ is the God 
who saves. So how do you respond to the God who has defeated your greatest enemy and has given you an identity that cannot be taken away? You worship him. You worship him. And that's what we're seeing Israel do in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21, which leads us to our first point this morning. Praise and worship is the proper response to who God is and what he has done. Praise and worship is the proper response to who God is and what he has done. Exodus chapter 15, 1 and 2. I'll go back there again. It says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. God initiates toward his people, and they respond in grace. And here in this text, we see the pattern of how the people of God are to respond to God throughout all eternity. God initiates towards his people with grace. We respond with worship. God initiates towards his people with love. We respond with worship. There's, there's a rhythm to this. He moves, we worship. He loves, we worship. He saves, we worship. He gives, we worship. He takes away, we worship. And there are times and moments where we explicitly do this with our mouths and we sing praises back to God explicitly and directly with the words of our mouths. And we sing explicitly and directly to his name. In verse two, we see this declaration. This is explicit. This is a direct. They're not singing to the gods in Egypt. They're not singing to the other gods in the ancient Near East. They're not singing to the Nile River, which at that point, people thought that the Nile River was God. They're not singing to Pharaoh. They're singing to Yahweh, the God who has saved them. And similarly, we're to sing directly and explicitly to Jesus. We're not singing to Allah this morning. We're not singing to Buddha. We're singing to Jesus because he is the God who saves and he's the only one who truly deserves our worship and so we see them singing explicitly and directly they say to my father's god i will exalt him this is the god of abraham isaac and jacob this is that same god that covenant keeping god so they're direct and clear about who they're talking to and another thing is they didn't get too far up the road before they acknowledged this this is right after they crossed over the red sea and so this is something that that they are modeling for us that we can put into practice that right away soon as god acts soon as he moves they don't move on to the next thing and ask god for the next thing they acknowledge the grace that has transpired right there in their life and so so often we can get blessed and get ready for the next thing and move on to the next thing without giving the proper acknowledgement to god for what he has done and who he is how quickly do we move on to the next thing but they're showing us right here right away they're singing praises to god right on the spot i was just thinking about this recently uh, with my own family my wife and i are expecting a baby girl in october we're having a baby shower next saturday so we're excited and so many of you guys already knew that but there's a story behind that. There had been five years of waiting for us. And so five years of 
being afraid that we probably couldn't have kids. And we're, we've shared this story before, so my wife knows. So but we've been open about the struggle. We've had our prior church home pray for us and with us about this. And so this has been a wrestle uh, for some years. Plenty of doctor's appointments, you name it. Plenty of tears, you name it. We, we, we've been through it. And so in many ways, our baby girl is a miracle. And we're trying not to move on too fast from that. We want to acknowledge that. We're having a baby shower next week. My wife is really good at celebrating, by the way. She's bought like these big old, well, somebody bought them for us. These big old things that we're putting in the front yard that say uh, baby gray. And it's just, she knows how to throw a party. When this is over, you should come to one of Ashley's parties. She knows, she knows how to do it. Uh, but she knows how to uh, mark those moments. And she's even thinking about writing some kind of song directly to God just just to mark this moment for us. But until, you know, that day when we can write a song or something like that, there are a few songs that I've been singing. Here are a few lyrics uh, from some worship leaders that I, I look up to and admire their, their worship. Uh, Israel Houghton, one of his songs says, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. And that's, that's coming straight from the scriptures, of course, but that's one of the songs he has. Another song by worship leader Travis Green says, Lord, you made a way. When our backs were against the wall, it looked as if it was over. And that's one song I've sang just to sing praises back to God. Here's another one that's pretty popular these days. It says, you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are by a group called Leland. And uh, that's one that I've been singing as well. But this is the appropriate, appropriate response to God for who he is and what he has done. I can't move on to the next thing and start thinking about the holidays and Christmas and school without taking time to acknowledge God for what he has already done. He's already done enough. When he took that cross for me, he had done enough for me already. And so I have all of the reasons to sing praises back to him. Uh, Israel had just experienced this mountaintop moment where God had parted the Red Sea. But if you're familiar with the story, they're about to head into the wilderness. They're about to head into some tough territory. So they're going to have to take this moment and bottle it up and memorize it because they're going to need to remember who God is. And they actually struggle. They're going to struggle with this. Uh, they're going to struggle with remembering who God is in the wilderness. And we see this in Psalms 106, it gives an account of this struggle that they're going to have. In Psalms 106, verses 9 through 14, uh, it says, He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Hear this. Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. So this is good, Israel. You're, you're remembering what God has done. You're singing the praises. Good job. But this doesn't last for too long. Verse 13. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the deserts. God's people sometimes forget who God is and what he has done. We get spiritual amnesia, which leads us to our next point. Praise and worship reminds us of who God is and what he has done. Praise and worship reminds us of who God is 
and what he has done. God's people were going into the wilderness. God still wants to dwell with his people and know his people and be with his people in the wilderness. As we move forward, you'll see this in, in their story. That's why he provides the tabernacle. It's a space for him to dwell with his people, even in the wilderness, even though they're going into this strange new territory, this unstable territory, God still wants to dwell with his people strange new territory can tempt us to forget who god is it just can seasons like this that we're going through as a world it can tempt us to forget who we are and who god is and it happened uh, to the israelites right here in this story and so i say this though knowing that some of us might be in some very strange and very difficult new territory so i'm sensitive to that i'm not saying snap out of it not saying get over it so that's not what we're saying here but what we're saying is god still loves you he's still the same god his character and his love for you has not changed just because you're in that difficult place and you probably have to wrestle with the doubt and the weariness we all we, we all are wrestling with it right now so if you're the person at home or here saying oh my gosh i feel bad i feel like i'm like the israelites like we're all wrestling with it uh, from one degree to, to another but God is still with you. His character and his ability and his love for you has not changed. Praise and worship reminds us of who God is and what he has done. Uh, continuing Exodus 15 verses 9 through 10, continuing in the song. And this is an interesting spot in the song. They, they mention the enemy's voice and who the enemy is in this part of the song. In verse 9, it says, Then the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. And then verse 10 says, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Here we see them recounting the voice of the enemy. The enemy saying, I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. The threatening voice of the enemy. Uh, this voice is forecasting this terrible future for Israel, saying how bad it's going to be for them and what he's going to do to them do to them and similarly the devil accuses and threatens and tries to alarm god's people he tries to scare us and tell us how bad it's going to be and how bad we are and how god is really not for us and things are going to turn out bad and we get anxious he says stuff like you're not going to make it and you're not worthy and he whispers these doubts and discouragements into our minds but praise and worship reminds us of who god is and what he has done verse 10 says it recounts the truth it says but you blew with your wind the sea covered them they sank like lead in the mighty waters this is a regular design in biblical hebrew poetry so this is a poem and this is common in the hebrew poetry where you get these couplets where you get uh, one voice coupled by another voice so you hear the enemy's voice saying what's going to happen to them the negative uh, thoughts and then you hear god's truth coupled with that and as we sing and recall and recite such truth we are reminded that god gets the victory over the enemy this helps us remember that we are reminded of this that god ultimately will get the victory over that voice that might be telling us all of these destructive things god ultimately wins and this song reminds us of that Robert Robinson. Robert Robinson was a successful minister by the world's standards of success. He started out as a Baptist minister, then he became a Methodist minister, 
then he became a non-denominational minister so he moved around a little bit and one of his churches had an attendance of about a thousand people so he had this very big church then something happens nobody really knows exactly what happens but he grew very discouraged and very weary with the ministry and he pretty much quit the church walked away from ministry altogether he grew very unhappy um, he, he threw away his ordination credentials and all of his seminary education training all of that got pushed to the side and he just walked away from the ministry altogether all of that that he had done he, he just walked away from it and then one day he found himself on a stage coach years later and there was a young lady on the stage coach with him and she sat across from him and to break the ice and to kill the dullness of the moment because it was quiet and awkward she decided to sing a song and so she sang the song and it went like this come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace strings of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some meliotis sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mountain fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming love oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart lord take and seal it seal it for thy courts above and as she finished singing the song the young woman asked mr roberts so what do you think and these were his words his reply madam i am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago and i would give a thousand words if i had them if i could feel now as i felt then praise and worship reminds us of who God is and what he has done and this is especially good for the broken heart that is having trouble remembering who God is and what he has done I just want to encourage us here don't lose your song don't lose your song in the wilderness don't lose your song praise and worship is the proper response to who God is and what he has done Praise and worship reminds us of who God is and what he has done. And lastly, from this song, we hear this, that our God is a warrior. Our God is a warrior. Throughout the scriptures, we see something called the divine warrior motif. And this is, it basically spells out this. It says, if the Lord is a warrior, Jesus, who is God, sovereignly fights for God, guards and protects his people he, he is a warrior fighting on our behalf and we see this in this song and we see this all throughout scripture that our god is fighting for us he is fighting for our for, for our good and for his glory he's fighting for us right now 
and he is with us and we can see this weaved all throughout out the text uh, it reminds me of, sto of a story that my wife tells me about her sister and her when they were growing up in elementary school and so my wife at the time was in the middle school i mean elementary school in the sixth grade and she's walking home from school and there's this bully following her from school taunting her threatening her on the way home from school and so She's just, yeah, 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 all behind my wife. And my wife is this little girl at the time. And so she's walking home and this bully just, yeah, 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 nag, nagging at her on the way home. And then her sister sees this out of the window. And so her older sister, who was in the eighth grade, Ashley was in the sixth grade at the time. So Cassie was in the eighth grade at the time. So Cassie is about five foot three, 120 pounds. She's, she's a, little, a little girl at the time. And so she runs outside and she sees this girl taunting her sister. She says, leave my sister alone as much as she can. She just musters up all her little strength and, 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 run, and runs the bully away. And, and that's how they recall the story to me. Uh, with all her little soul, she stood up for her sister and fought on her, on her behalf. And this is the picture of the divine warrior on display, fighting on our behalf because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. All throughout the scripture, we see God saying, leave my people alone. And verses three through seven here in the text, in this song, it says that the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name, Pharaoh's chariots and his host. He cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk into the Red Sea. They're using this military language here, this battle language. They're essentially saying that God sunk Pharaoh's battleship, right? And we're seeing here that God hates evil because he's a holy and a good God. So if he's, if he's a holy and a good God, he's going to hate evil. If he loves good, he consequently hates evil evil and we see this all throughout the new testament jesus fighting against the demons in the book of revelation that our god actually is a warrior and he and he is going to defeat evil but he's somehow gracious and merciful all at the same time this is mind-blowing but this is his character uh, continuing in verse 5 it says the floods covered them they went down into the depths like a stone your right hand O lord glorious in power your right hand O lord shatters the enemy in the greatness of your majesty you overthrow your adversaries you send out your fury it consumes them like stubble god crushes his enemies he is a god of war he is a man of war he does this for our good and for his glory he does if he loves good he has to hate evil that is who he is but there are some times even in the scriptures where god has to discipline and, and judge even his own people and we see this where he will do that because he he will not allow israel's pride and idolatry and so when they're practicing idolatry and they're walking in pride he will oppose his own people and discipline them and get them back and check and here's why god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble he will not have our pride uh, if we want to find ourselves in in the place of discipline and having to deal with this opposition walk in pride he, he he's going to humble that pride really quick it's similar to an uh we were talking about football earlier similar to a defensive lineman lining up against you that's what god does when you walk in pride he's going to knock that pride down so you can walk in the humility that he's calling you to walk into 
in uh, in him and so because because satan is the source of all kinds of sick self exaltation and pride god will not have pride and so vanity overlooks so what we know god will knock down that pride intellectual pride and arrogance he will knock down that pride ethnic cultural racial self-exaltation that kind of stuff he will not have it he will knock down that pride religious pride he will not have it if we're puffed up about our how we how we practice or our good deeds he will not have that pride pride this here's why pride puts us in the judgment seat so when we're walking in pride, we are on the throne and we stand on our throne and we can hurl down the stones on other people and even God and says, no, God says, no, I will not have that. And that's ultimately the story of what we're seeing with Pharaoh. God is saying, no, I will not have that. There's only one king and that is Yahweh, the God who saves. The warrior God will snatch us off of our man-made thrones. There's only one king and his name is Jesus. And believe it or not, we want it that way. <laughs> we don't want to be king. We can't handle being king. We mess it up, but he, he can't mess it up. And we have a lot more peace that way when we surrender to the authority and the lordship of king jesus only one king deserves worship only one king is worthy of praise only one king can defeat all of our enemies and make this world right let our let us humble ourselves at his feet jesus is that king the warrior god that defeated sin and death in the grave on the cross it, it, it is exhausting to try to fill his shoes we get it wrong when we try to do his job. Jesus is king. Let us never forget and let us never lose our song. Let us not forget who he is and what he, what he has done. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name. Just lifting you up. You are good. You are the true king and God Forgive us when we try to play the role of king. We can't save ourselves. We, we end up calling out to you anyway, Father God, because at the end of the, day, end of the day, we need you. Forgive us for erecting idols and making other things, people and places, king and ultimate. God, we, we surrender to you, acknowledging that you are good. Father God, give us the peace that comes with knowing that we are children of a king, and are, and are a part of a good kingdom, your kingdom that will last for all eternity. God, help us to remember who you are and to remember the song that you have put in our spirit. Help us to remember your works and to account for your deeds. God, quiet the voice of the enemy who might be telling us otherwise. God, you are good. You are worthy. And it's your mighty sons, Jesus name that we pray. Amen.